yeah, here's what I want to do. Can I do the thing I want to do? Yes. Do the thing. <laughs> oh, God, I'm nervous. <laughs> Ready? Ready. Hi, heathens. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm excited. I have to work on it. That was a little that was that was a little too sincere. <laughs> Spiritual conversations for the godless. I'm Matthew Blake and I'm Karen Thurston. Welcome to Heathen. There's two of us. Yeah, hi. This is a new thing. It's a new world. It's season two. Welcome to season two. Oh my gosh. I've been so excited about this. <laughs> Me too. Um, you guys, you can hit pause right now and you can go back and listen to episodes. I don't remember what numbers they are, but I can tell you the titles. They are... Can you? I <laughs> thought I could. I thought I could, Karen. God is a flash mob? God is a flash mob is one I can remember, but it's the second one. I wanted to say the first one first. I don't know, but I have in my... This hurts and it feels like love. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, I said that, didn't I? Yeah. Aww. You said that. that was it was deep. really good. Yeah. So, Karen Thurston, you're my new co-host. Hi. On Heathen. Hi. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm so excited I'm saying hi to you as though we have not been sitting in a room together for <laughs> the last hour. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm so excited too. I it's after you after your double header episode. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that's the cats, by the way. The jingle yeah. jingle in the background. <laughs> that relentless sound that will be happening <laughs> throughout, throughout the podcast. Um, Jack and Diane, they're super cute. I'm allergic to cats, but that's okay because I have a pill that makes me immune. Congratulations! Much like um, a superhero. Just like that. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Come on, you, <laughs> give me my give me my fantasy. Power of science, <laughs> power of science um, made you super. Yes, uh, that was the other thing about us and our conversation. We are the tangent twins. We're like two minutes into this, and we are already. <laughs> she means this podcast is going to hell in a handbasket. <laughs> you thought we had topics? We don't have topics uh, anymore. We're literally looking at them because we're staring. At we them. are gonna stay on track tonight. It's um, working really well so far. So far, so good. Uh, yes, so after your two episodes, people, a, a number of unrelated people came up to me and were like, you guys had good chemistry. Mm-hmm. You should do something together. And it just it got the wheels turning mm-hmm. for me. My plan, my plan worked. It, I hired all those people. <laughs> there you go. So it did, did, totally did. did work. Congratulations. Right. Thank you. Um, Thanks, everyone. <laughs> good job. But no, I... I I'm so happy about this new arrangement because, number one, making a podcast is a lot of work. Mm-hmm. That un- unanticipated work, stuff I didn't realize that was going to be consuming my hours. Um, not that it's not worth it. I've loved this whole journey and this whole process, but I was, you know, only 15 episodes in, but I was already ready for. Yeah. Ooh, like I need somebody else to like help balance some of the thought processes. Um, <laughs> Having the conversations themselves is kind of exhausting work for me because it, I mean, you're digging deep into potentially very painful uh, memories and situations and and those kinds of things. So it's just, it's emotionally exhausting and then it takes hours. It takes 
hours to put together. Well, and you've been doing your own work through this process oh, yeah. too. Like this isn't my job. Every single well, right? Yeah, you have a life. <laughs> oh, you mean? Of oh, this, you mean like I'm doing my own internal work? Both of those things are true. But yeah. yeah, but you've also been like trying to figure out your direction for this whole thing. Absolutely. Like as we've been going through, which is in and of itself. Which I feel task. really good about now, though. Like mm-hmm. that's the that is that's been one of the best outcomes of season one of it's so weird to talk about a a season of heathen but um season one of heathen because I do I feel like I set out to do this thing that I knew I needed to do and I didn't know why I needed Mm -hmm. to do it I just it was the thing in my bones you know that we talk about as creative people um I needed to make the it was just the thing I I needed to make the thing that I knew I needed um and in the process of making it and in the process of meeting tons of new people, including you, because I didn't know you super well before our conversation. True. I'm still getting to know you because it's all, everything's still, this is like all happened in the matter of like, <laughs> what, I just launched this thing in October. It's yeah, like it's a ton of time fast. has passed. Yeah, it has been fast. So, yeah, it was the new connections and the insight that these people brought into my life that channeled all of that energy, all that restless energy I had into a mission for this thing. Mm-hmm. And um, I talked about it a little bit in the in the last episode of season one. Um, I'm so excited about using my particular personality and skill set and who I am to be this like soft landing place, mm-hmm. which is so funny because soft is not the first word I would use to describe <laughs> myself ever. It's new. It's new, and I'm loving it. Yeah. Like it's my it is it's my favorite word right now. Um, but to be a soft landing place, soft and solid, it's both. Because mm-hmm. that's the thing, when you're stepping away from a, whew, from bad religion, um, you don't know what comes next. Because mm-hmm. f- for the most part, that's been your world. That's been, for me, it was church, school, home. And all three were founded on Jesus' life. Right. Um, so stepping away from that, uh, I didn't know what was going to happen. I, I actually did know a lot of what was going to happen, and that's why I didn't do it for so long um, and why I, sh- I, I went to great lengths to maintain my place in the church world mm-hmm. um, despite all the things I was feeling and learning and experiencing because I didn't want to lose that community because I didn't know if there was community on the other side that would be as good. Right. And of course, of course, it's 18... 1,340 times better on the other side. That's a really specific Mm -hmm. number. Yeah, well, I feel it. Right. That's the number I feel. (laughs) That's the the number in your soul. (laughs) It's so much better because the relationships that I have now Mm -hmm. are founded on something that might be the messy, um, uh, well, just the parts that, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't able to show. Yeah, it's your whole self. It's my whole self. Yeah. It might be the ugly parts too, but it's the real right. self. Right. Not the self that I curated to present mm. on Sunday mornings and yeah. Wednesday nights and, you know, yeah. every, every other church occasion that you have to go to. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I, I'm just so excited to be, I'm, I'm, I'm arguably more excited about Heathen now Yay. than I was when I first launched it because yeah. for that reason... For, the, for, for having a mission around it and knowing what it is now. Absolutely. And for my new and, partner. <laughs> and. Because Heathen Now Comes 
This is our new tagline, right? <laughs> Heathen now comes. Heathen, now with more relentless optimism. I'm here. <laughs> Everyone who knows me is like, oh, God. <laughs> it has arrived. Yeah, that's my gift to the world. And I'm here to Pollyanna the shit out of everyone. <laughs> it's going to be great. It's a beautiful gift. If I say shit, it lessens the Pollyanna. That's true. Yeah. You can love. temper. I can. It's all about balance. <laughs> the optimism with just a little foul yeah. language. Right. It helps. The Tinkerbell philosophy. <laughs> Tiny pixie with an attitude. Stomp your feet. Yep. It's going to be fine. Um, yeah. Can we tell them, should we tell them about, like, I kind of want to tell them about how you told me or asked me to do this. Yeah. And, like, <laughs> yes, let's do <laughs> How nervous I was and how and then, I was, how I was, like, asking somebody on a first date. I'm, well, I'm tempted also. Like, a part of me just wants to be like, Matthew, tell me more about your story. But we'll get to you in a minute. Let's talk about me. Um, <laughs> um, no, so, okay, so you messaged me. We've talked about this a little bit. But you messaged me and you were like, also... We haven't talked about, like, plans for future things and, like, (laughs) what's coming up in the future. And I read that, and I'm generally, like, a relatively intuitive human being. And I was like, maybe he's going to ask me to be, to do another heathen thing or to do, I don't know. But then I was like, Karen, don't be an arrogant jerk. Like, come on. He's not going to, like, okay, maybe he just wants to ask you how your life is going or something. Don't assume anything, <laughs> you weirdo. And then I'm like, relentless optimism girl. So I'm like, but maybe. Um, yeah. And then we went and we had tacos. Well, first we went first, to we, we went hot to yoga. The, oh, my God. And I almost died in that yoga class. To be fair, we did not go to hot yoga that's true. One of us, <laughs> one of us nearly died doing hot yoga. The other one was just singing and playing a guitar. Hey, I, I was sweating. In the hot room. I was sweating still. just as much as everybody else in that room. And probably more because I'm a generally sweaty person, but yeah. Okay, so this was not normal yoga, though. It, this it, is it like... It barely be called yoga. This is the CrossFit version of yoga, where Ooh. like, I mean, I... So I, my version of working out is like doing... Um, like relaxing yoga for 25 minutes in the morning and then taking a lovely stroll in the afternoon. I am not a hardcore CrossFit person and I was the least graceful version of myself for that. Well, it's called, um, it's called yoga hop. So it's hip hop yoga, which is cardio workout, which is an incredible concept. Like that's why I was like, I'm sorry, you're doing what I need to, I know, right. (laughs) I need to be there for that. Sounds really fun. And we, my band girl boy was playing. In mm-hmm. the corner of this room of sweaty people doing which their is acoustic guitar driven yes. hip hop, which is in and of itself sort of a beautiful it's hybrid. Our, it's our our thing. And then you add <laughs> yoga. Yeah, and I, I can't stay away from that magic. Um, but yeah. yeah, so I'd already died by the time we went to get tacos. <laughs> well, that was part of my strategy. I was like, I'll I'll chip away at her defenses <laughs> with yoga. She'll, she'll be completely humiliated and out of her mind. <laughs> and then we'll feed her tacos. She'll say yes to anything. <laughs> yep. Which is pretty true. Um, <laughs> yes. And then we went to get tacos, which is my first time going to City Tacos mm. and BT Dubs. And Shout out City Tacos in City North tacos, Park, San Diego. Legit tacos. I went back two days later. Mm. That's how legitimate those tacos are. So good. Um, yeah. And then we went to tacos. And then you awkwardly 
invited me to be part of Heathen. I, it was super awkward. Yeah, and then I... I like, well, so what are you doing for the next, uh, <laughs> you know, foreseeable future? Indefinite, indefinite um, seasons, we don't know, <laughs> depending on your level of commitment and success. Because um, I know how busy you are. You are I'm a... really busy. You do a lot of things. Right. But what I keep saying to people when I tell them about this and tell them not to tell anybody... Um, is that if there was a thing that I could choose to do, by all means, like I would choose this over mm. the other things. And that's why like I had my little my little hopes up before we <laughs> got together and I was like, oh good, don't predict the future. <laughs> Expectations versus reality. Um, but uh, no, like that, like you doing this, and it's been really interesting listening to you discover kind of why you're doing this mm. as you go through, because that's been a journey that I think those of us who have been listening have been on with you mm. um, as we go through. But for me, we just talked about a little while ago, like a podcast when I was deconstructing, that was where I landed. That was the first moment someone recommended a podcast to me. And that was the first moment that I felt like it was going to be okay. Yeah. Um, so you doing this, like I... I got why you were doing this from the first episode when you were like, I'm doing this thing. And I was like, great, because somebody needs to be doing this mm. thing. We need this thing because the fear, you know, the fear thrives in isolation. Yeah. The fear thrives when it feels like it's alone and can just panic all the time because I'm clearly the only one who has ever been in this space. And the reality is... We're so rarely the only one who's ever been in a space. Like, it's really hard to be the only person who's had a human experience. Like, you've got to be a really special snowflake to pull that off. Yeah. And and there's so much relief. It's like when you used to... Do you ever watch Extreme Home Makeover? I did, a little bit. Okay, mm -hmm. so the moment that always got me... Is that the one with me, Paige? Paige and Ty Pennington. And Ty, yeah, yeah. yeah. So the moment that always got me in that is like not the big reveal of the house, but uh -huh. it's when they say, and also we paid off your mortgage oh. and the people just like collapse in a relief cry. Cause mm. like that burden that's been laying on top of it makes me cry. Yeah. <laughs> that burden that's just been laying on top of everything. Um, that moment of that, like, that's what I think you've been doing for mm. people. Like wow. I think every one of these conversations has been like just this breath and this moment of, okay, that's released now, this burden of, oh, I'm alone in this. Oh, there's nothing on the other side of this mm -hmm. that goes away when we just talk about it, Yeah, which is cool. So you inviting me into this, like I still, I, I still have done a poor job of processing all of my emotions around it. It's, it's you just, just process emotion. as you go. We're that's, just here. This that's is what my I journey. found out. Yep. Season two. Yep. Um, here we are, but I would rather I would rather be having this conversation and in the space with you and with everybody else that you know we're going to encounter than yeah. literally anything else that I'm doing. No offense, everything else that I'm doing, mm -hmm. I like all of you too. But um, I think what you're doing is is real. Like I think mm. it's more real than most things. Mm. That's very. Touching. Thank you. So you're stuck with me now, sucker. I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so, um, for as much as we are alike and you've made that joke several times, we're the same person and we are on so many levels. Yeah. Um, I, one of the things that I'm really looking forward to is actually some of the contrast I think we're going to bring. Absolutely. Because you are, you know, relentless Pollyanna syndrome, as you've said, 
Um, to a fault. And I, and I actually can embody that in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have, you know, we talked about the lazy Susan of favorite things. Like everything's my favorite. Um, Life's amazing. What I'm doing right now is my favorite thing ever. <laughs> um, just because I happen to be doing it right now. That's and so, um, so I have a lot of that. But I also have this like brooding underbelly, like tendency to darkness, tendency to um, cynicism mm-hmm. um, that is a very strong pull for me a lot of the time. And I... Uh, so I follow a ton of people online who are doing this kind of work mm-hmm. and there's so many good ones. And one day we should actually like do a, Oh yeah. Maybe a resource page or something on the website or just talk about all these great places that people are, mm-hmm. are doing similar work. But I've, I've noticed a very common thread of cynicism through a lot of the work out there that is this, um, uh, looking at, at your history in the church and it, it's totally understandable and absolutely kind of inevitable because you go through shit, you're going to like need some coping mechanisms. Right. <laughs> um, and, and cynicism is a very powerful coping mechanism. Um, well, it's warranted a lot of the time. It's absolutely warranted. Right. Yeah. I'm not, I, by no means do I want to like, like completely get rid of that, you know, tendency. I'm not trying, I'm, I'm not trying to change that or anything, right. but I do love that we're going to have this like little bit of counterbalance kind of thing going on here. So one thing I did notice, um, today in a, a tweet from one of the fa- my favorite people I follow, uh, this person, uh, was, uh, jumping onto, I, I guess it was a trending in, um, you know, very small ex evangelical circles <laughs> trending, um, this hashtag, uh, Hashtag how to evangelical. Um, so everybody's kind of you know, jumping on this bandwagon and just making fun of like evangelical culture, basically. Sure. Um, but with the kind of the angle of like, the, you know, this thing damaged me. <laughs> right. Um, and so this person put a tweet up that said, how, hashtag how to evangelical, use four chords and repeat them over and over and manipulate people into thinking that they felt the Holy Spirit move. And um, initially my initial reaction was like, ha yeah, yeah, totally. There are a lot of four chord songs. <laughs> there that's are. For sure. And then I was, but then I was like, I also had this second reaction that was like, but hang on. Like I, I do that. Right. I do that. I am a person who leads music at a church and I always struggle with the term worship leader cause that is not what I do. Um, but you know, that's the language we know. So I'm a worship leader at a church. Um, and, uh, I don't understand why, um, in and of itself, four chords and, and repetition are a bad thing. Like, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think they are. I think there actually is something biologically in our bodies that responds to, to the way notes come together. Absolutely. And the way repetition itself is a powerful tool. Like, mantras, like... Repetition is used not it, not just in worship, Christian evangelical worship music, like repetition is used in all kinds of spiritual practice from all kinds of religions, right? And because for that very reason that it does do something biologically, chemistry something yeah. in our heads, it's like, legitimately neuroscience, like absolutely, it's yeah, proven, studied, magical yeah. stuff. So I just you know, and and again, like I I love this person I follow on Twitter, and and this, and this person has had some great insights and and helped me a lot. But this particular tweet, I was like, you know, like I don't know that that's helpful because again, it just it 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 
it, it says that evangelicals are doing something um, sinister with this mm. particular move. And it's actually a move that I've made, like I've kept that move. Like I've, right. I, that's one thing I've kept from my evangelical upbringing is to use music to enter into a space that I think is, again, language fails me, but quote unquote, holy. Mm-hmm. Um, and however you want to define Holy Spirit, like I do believe in other dimensional experiences and I can, I'm okay, I think, calling that a spirit. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm okay referring to my, uh, a part of my own consciousness as spirit. So, and I'm okay with the word holy because mm-hmm. it means set apart and other. And I like having experiences that aren't like everything else mm-hmm. in life. So I'm totally okay with repetitious four chord songs that move me and transport me somewhere. Now, I totally get what this person was saying. Sure. I totally get that like there is a very um, manipulative way to use m- not just music, but all kinds of liturgical practices and, right. and just church you know, standard stuff to, um, to manipulate, manipulate people for very specific ends, like you know, to give money to the church or to advance certain ideologies, that kind of, kind of thing. And so I totally get what this person was saying. But at the same time, I don't want heathen to become just a place where we bitch about the shit that fun though that may be. Yeah. And it's, and it's necessary and it's, it's a part of it, but I just don't want it to be the only thing that we do here. Right. I think there's so much more to be done. So that's one of the things I'm really looking forward to having you here because I think that there's going to be some good point counterpoint uh, stuff that we can do. (laughs) No, I think that's good. I was actually thinking about this a lot today. Um, in kind of in kind of a different way, but on the same track. Mm-hmm. That's what I I think if I subscribe to any sort of um <laughs> <laughs> He did a thing, it was funny. Anyway, uh, <laughs> distraction. Um I think if I subscribe to any um if there's one belief that I really stubbornly hold to, it's that it's um I guess I would call it like the radio station that's playing underneath everything. I believe there is some sort of current, um, some sort of common connected thread. Uh, I have a brain that everybody's brain looks for pattern. I have a brain that is like especially hungry for pattern. I'm really good at finding patterns. I'm an ideator, so I'm, and which makes me a good justifier too. So it's everything, you know, your four chords, you can use them for good or evil, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, like totally. with great power comes great responsibility. So, um, I'm always looking for patterns in in things, but I feel like there really is like when you get like-minded people moving in a similar direction, there is uh, a rhythm that people click into and you wind up kind of hovering around the same ideas at the same time, whether that's coincidence and we're just kind of confirmation biasing, you know, our way through life. I don't think I care. I think I like, I think I like thinking that there's something significant happening in all of that. Um, and I don't think that's a belief that's particularly harmful to me. So I'm going for it. Like it brings me joy and I have yet to shoot an email and tell me how that's going to ruin my life. And you know, I'm open to it, but so far it serves me. Um, but I was thinking today about, um, I have friends on Facebook who I follow, pretty religiously, like I check in daily and they have a lot of heated political debate uh, where they're just going back and forth. And I watch that and I want 
to be a challenger a lot mm. of times. Like I, I, I have eight envy a little bit. <laughs> Enneagram eight envy. Um, but there's part of me that really wants to jump in. Like I want to be a badass, you know, yeah. and I want to jump in and be like, no, you know, you're stupid and this is dumb and bring me and like here's my twelve point argument that's like well thought out and bam, I got you. And um, I was thinking about today just that like that's not my it's not my part in the choir. Cats Ooh, are violent, cats are, violent kitties. Cats are angry now. Yeah. Um, that's just not like I was thinking on. I was thinking about scripture, and I was thinking about like the body of Christ and each part being made unique. And oh yeah. Also, I was thinking in terms of a salty the songbook song. <laughs> <laughs> Ears to hear and eyes to see. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Knees and elbows too. Um, wow. Taking me back. Ah, uh, you're welcome. Um, but I was just thinking about like trying to sit in my role of uh, like that's never going to be, like I'm never going to be a great challenger. I love challengers and I love being challenged. Mm. I didn't used to. I do now. Um, but I'm always going to be more the girl who's like, both and. Yeah. <laughs> like, here's what you guys are saying that's the same. And yeah. here's the place where we all come together. And, like, that's important, too. It is. And when I try too hard to swing into the other mode, like, it gets real weird and <laughs> dark and funky and awkward. And uh, when I stay kind of in my wheelhouse, like, that makes a good, it makes for a good balance. Like, there's there's an upside to the relentless Pollyanna-ness. Yeah. Um, and those checks and balances that I think you and I can provide for each other that I think, like, just happen a lot in the world. Um, that's beautiful. It like, totally that's is. Like, that's really cool. Because then we get closer to the truth, I think. We get more parts of the freaking elephant or yep. whatever metaphor exactly. you like to go through life. I always go back to Mad Heck. Like, that has stayed in my brain, his mm. whole thing with the, like, eyes popping up. Yeah, from the same globe. Yeah. Yeah, I really like that, too. I like that forever. Matt Heck is starting his own podcast. Of course he is. I know. It's going to be good. Yeah. He's an expat now. He lives in Mexico. He Neat. Moved, he just, like, did the thing. Where in Mexico? Um, I don't know. Hmm. <laughs> Off the top of my head. Does this I'm sure mean he's that we told need me. to go to Mexico? <gasps> Maybe. Probably. Yeah. I think that probably does mean that. Yeah. It's going to be good. He's going to talk about art and government and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Um, this is great. It'll be fun. Yeah. We'll see what happens. I'm very excited. Me too. Um, so. So. So what we're going to do with Heathen now, moving forward, it's it's funny, like, I've treated this like some big, like I'm uh, Ryan Murphy doing the next season of American Horror Story or something, like keeping Ooh, yeah. a big secret. Right. So it's very. Everyone was expecting me to be Amy Grant, and I'm not <laughs> Amy Grant. I'm sorry. <laughs> I may not be every mother's dream. You just like were a little girl. Got to my heart. Aww, <laughs> that is so great. That was beautiful. Oh, that's great. <sighs> okay. Okay, I'm still holding out hope that Amy Grant will be on Heathen one day. We're gonna. I, we're like one degree from Amy Grant. It's a matter of time. I, right. It's gonna it's happen. Gonna be fine. Um, <clears throat> but in the meantime, until we get to the Amy Grant episode, <laughs> the upcoming Amy Grant extravaganza, it'll be like a whole week. <laughs> of Amy Grant. Poor Amy. Amy's like, dear God. <laughs> Hopefully she never listens to these because she won't say yes after. Disneyland with Amy <laughs> to buy Mexico. Uh, um, but until we get there, we have some new ideas for yeah. 
for this show. So the crux of it has been conversations um, with a different person every week. Like that's what the show has been. And that will continue. We have plenty of people lined up, really great, interesting folks, um, a whole new world of people because Karen, you know, you know, different people than me. So it's great. Like, yes, (laughs) I know. I'm really excited about some of these folks you've told me about already. So we are lining up those um, conversations with uh, f- folks and, and uh, um, with a lot of intentionality, uh, a, 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 a very diverse group of folks. Like, that's our goal. Like, we're, we, you know. We want to talk to someone who's not a 35-year-old white evangelical. Thank you yeah. for, for just calling that out. Yes. I feel like it's fair. That's, we've had a lot of that. Um, <laughs> and, and that, you know, that's. We're also both, essentially. <laughs> yeah, that's what we are. Um, Here we are. Yeah. At least we know. Yeah, so. Uh, I mean, we, we we have plenty of access to the queer community. That's great. Right. And, and so we, we, we've had that perspective and um, a couple people of, of color. But we want more of that. And, and there needs to be more of that in this yeah. kind of a conversation. Because what you just said, like, we're going to see more parts of the elephant. Um, right. Exactly. So that's a big goal. Um, and so those that's going to be like every other week. We'll have the kind of traditional heathen episode of, uh, of an in-depth conversation about someone's uh, spiritual journey, apostasy, uh, their identity, their reckoning, whatever that journey has been for that yes. person. Um, and then we got some other stuff too. So um, we're going to do some more. Going rogue. I know. It's so fun. I'm really excited about some of the stuff we're going to do. Me too. I, let's just talk about like one series that we know we're going to be doing because that's we've already recorded right. uh, an episode of that. that is coming Spoiler, up. this is not our first episode. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're doing things out of order Damn here, it. but it, it's all good. Um, we are going to do a series of conversations um, and, and really more experiences mm-hmm. that we're calling, I think we're calling it Slippery Slopes. Yeah. <laughs> because there are so many things when you grow up in evangelicalism that are off limits. Right. Taboo, forbidden. Um, and, you know, everything from, you know, as, as a young kid, stuff like dancing, like dancing for me was totally, except for the square dances that my Christian school <laughs> hosted um, <laughs> once a year. Or maybe it was twice a year. We could square dance, but other than that, dancing was off limits. Yeah. So we're 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 just gonna do the things that were forbidden. Right. Because <laughs> what happens is you wind up an adult who's embarrassingly ignorant yes. about like things that normal human. I knew the word normal is mm-hmm. not great, but that other humans find just you know the common sense average knowledge yes. that they have in their pocket, and you're like, I don't know anything. Right. And it's weird. So it, it does get really weird really fast. It's it's everything from like the number of times I have to talk about. Ugh, I I didn't see that movie that every mm. other person like loves. Right. Their favorite '80s movie. I I couldn't see. I wasn't allowed to watch that. Um, and now it's like those kind of things. I can't really go back and ex- like I've tried. I've, I watched The Goonies as an adult. and I'm like I don't get it. Like why do you love this no, so much? Yeah, it's really dumb. You can't do Goonies as a grown <laughs> up. Yeah, if you grow up with it, it's really cool. But there are things still in the world that we can do now yeah. and experience as adults. Right. And like have that experience publicly <laughs> on a podcast. And I love it. I love that we're just stepping into like the like it is awkward and I found that like for me, I don't want to speak for you but for me like it's so awkward to engage some of these things that the only way that I'll ever do it is if I just sort of have to and everyone knows that I am just the most awkward human being. Yes. Like, that's the way to do it. Like, if we can all laugh at how ridiculous yep. it is, 
to be afraid of some of these things, then the fear goes away. And to normalize it for ourselves than anybody else who needs to have something normalized. Um, (laughs) Let us, let us look ridiculous on your behalf. Yep. New service provided by the Heathen Podcast. We're going to go down those slippery slopes, the things that we were not supposed to do. So the first one, I think we can spoil it, right? We can spoil it. Yeah. We're going to, we, we did a tarot reading. With a, yes. a with a uh, and actually a friend of Heathen, a former guest on Heathen, uh, Micah Turner. So that is like next week's episode, mm-hmm. um, and it it was amazing. Did that go the way that you thought it was going to no. go? Me neither. No, not, not at all. all. Completely different from what I thought. Yeah, and so. better than what I way better. Thought. So yeah. I'm excited. Um, I'm excited to do some of those things, and uh, find out what we've been missing out on. Right. Yep. Should we ask people for help with that? I would love some help with that. S- like suggestions because yeah. like we've been racking our brains trying to come up with stuff we can do for, okay here are the criteria <laughs> we've come up with a lot of illegal things right it, you, we can't break the law because breaking the law and then publishing the evidence is foolish <laughs> so we're not going to do that um, so th- they have to be things that are legal mm-hmm. um, things that are frowned upon by at least some section of the evangelical community. And yes. you and I have a lot of difference in our upbringing too. Totally. Like plenty of movies probably that I saw as like yeah. I watched Goonies yeah. all the time. Um, but that's okay. Like I feel like there's a little bit of crossover there. So Absolutely. something that like something that you growing up in whatever religion you grew up in person that I'm talking to, um, something that you weren't allowed to do or weren't were afraid of or that you still feel kind of weird about. Yeah. Um, boy, would we like suggestions on that? I'd like suggestions. Yeah. On that that would be great. Really helpful. Awesome. <laughs> I mean, we're, you know, we're in California, so we can smoke weed. Right. So we're going to have an episode where we just basically get high and talk about <laughs> I'm Jesus. I'm so sorry, mom. I'm so <laughs> sorry. <laughs> That's the first time that I'm like, oh, my parents are going to hate this so much. But it's legal. And I'm raising I'm raising a daughter in mm-hmm. a state where this is legal. Yeah. And like the fact that I have fear around it and don't know anything about it, like will hinder me as a parent. So yes. that's kind of the perspective that like really sealed the deal for me there. Yeah. I was like, I need to know what this is about so awesome. that I can know how to talk to her about it. I still feel weird about it. Yeah, totally. I'm and still sorry, mom. Um, and, and that is part of it. That's part of the thing. Those feelings. Yep, exactly. Like coming face to face with those feelings is exactly why. Yes. We're going to do it. So we're going to do that. It's going to be really freaking weird <laughs> for me. So you, you guys are invited into my weirdness. Yay. Um, yeah. Send us ideas like that. Any, yeah. Anything along those lines. It could be as simple as dancing. You know, I, I have danced a lot now as an adult. So I, I really still want to go to a rave. I think. <sighs> yeah. A rave. We're like, going to spoil all of them now because yeah. we're talking about this, but it's fine. I'm a very... I'm very excited about Halloween. <laughs> those are going to be good. Yeah, let's not spoil those. No, I'm not going to spoil it. I'm let's, just going to yeah, say very send excited. us send us your ideas around that. Uh, slippery slopes, things that you couldn't do in your in your church, Christian, evangelical, whatever world growing up. Yeah, yeah. That'll be a fun series. So, uh, yeah, basically every other week will be something new like that. Um, that won't be just the kind of the traditional conversation. And I'm so excited. It's going to like really blow up the world of heathen and, and just expand what we're doing and the kinds of... I, I just think it's going to be great. I've, I've yeah. said from very early on that I didn't think heathen would just always be... You, you have, know, yeah, stay like, the same. Yeah, stay, stay what it was because I knew it was evolving for me as I was doing it. And this is just kind of that next step. I've just been yeah following that, that line and this is where we're going next. So I love it. Thank you.
All right, so I guess we're now at the point in our notes. <laughs> Got- Where it says Puff the Magic Dragon. It does say, it does say Puff the <laughs> Magic which Dragon. Means, which means that we we are going to talk a little bit more about our own personal stories. Yeah. Um, and I think for you, I think the difference between you and me, I think we've got a pretty solid grasp on my deconstruction story. Mm. Not a lot about where I am right now as a human being. And I feel like for you, we've got a pretty good grip on where you are at this moment in your life yeah. and where you were as a child, but we're missing a little bit of your deconstruction yeah, process. I think, I think so. so. I've just been telling, you know, in snippets and uh, along the way, I've, I've kind of cherry picked stories here and mm-hmm. there. So there's not been a, I haven't talked about my personal timeline or the, the different things I've done, planting a church and going to Christian college and all this, you know, what that, all that looks like. So, right. So I think we're going to do just a little bit of that right now. Yeah, let's start with you. Oh, boy. Okay. Great. <laughs> um, so, okay. So clarify for me. Like, I have a pretty solid grasp, I feel like, having listened to season one mm-hmm. on kind of the section of Christianity that you grew up in yeah. um, and how your church functioned and all of that kind of stuff. Um, but can you nutshell that a little bit? Sure. Yeah. Uh, I'm from Western North Carolina. It's definitely the Bible Belt. I'm from Asheville. It's a actually pretty cool, progressive, hippie, fun town in the middle of the Bible Belt. But my experience there was still very uh, what you would probably think of as being traditional Southern Christian upbringing. Um, With the exception of the fact that my church uh, was pretty unique, I think. I I don't. I've not met a lot of people who grew up in a in in the kind of church I did. It's. from the outside in, it's called Plymouth Brethren. Uh, I never actually heard it referred to as that growing up in it. It was somebody else who told me that that's the kind of church I went to. Um, we just called ourselves the Assemblies. And I've said this before, but it's not, it's not the Assemblies of God. It's a very, very different experience from that. Um, and we called ourselves that because it was about assembling in the name of Jesus mm. exclusively. Um, there was a very strong emphasis on not gathering in the name of any individual other than Jesus. So Mm -hmm. like we looked at Lutherans and said, you know, we we can't gather around the principles of Luther, um, you know, or or, or any other, (laughs) any other, uh, denomination really like there was a lot of judgment that was cast at pretty much any other denomination that had its roots in some sort of movement or revival or whatever mm. where, that had a kind of a charismatic leader. Is it like an idolatry thing? Yeah, mm-hmm. okay. it was. Um, <clears throat> so hyper-focused on, on Jesus and the person of Jesus and, and the priesthood of all believers. That was another like key component of our gathering. So there was no staff, no pastor. Mm. Uh, we had a board of elders, but they were, they handled like, you know, just we, you know, we had a building, and so somebody had to pay the mortgage, that kind of thing. Logistics. The logistics. So the meetings were literally, you. we gathered around the communion table, the body and blood of Christ. Hmm. And um, it's very patriarchal, very traditional in that way. So the men would take turns kind of popcorning, popcorning and uh, calling out a hymn to sing, giving a spiritual thought, reading a passage from Scripture, hmm. And we would do this for an hour on Sunday mornings, and then we would pass around the elements, the communion, and uh, take communion. And it was a very sobering, somber service that was Mm -hmm. hyper-focused on the death of Jesus. Um, The resurrection as well, but I mean, it was was like, 
you wouldn't walk away. You wouldn't walk out of that service with feeling light and happy. And was it always about the death of Jesus? Like that was always, yes. it was always the always. death and resurrection story. Mm-hmm. So Easter every Sunday. Basically. Yeah, basically, okay. basically without the jubilant uh, resurrection celebration. Good Friday every Sunday. Yeah, pretty much. It was wow. pretty much Good Friday. So a lot of weeping, mm. a lot of, um, and that was actually probably a, a, a neat thing <laughs> that, you, you know, I did see a lot of men who um, were, were kind of in touch with an emotional component yeah. of themselves and putting that on public display. Um, so, yeah, it was a sobering place. Uh, and then, you know, you'd break and you'd have coffee and donuts and people would be happy and, and you'd have... There was, I mean, legitimate community and friendship and... There are always donuts. There's always donuts. One thing yes. that all churches yeah. have in common. Mm-hmm. And Russian tea, which I don't even know if that's an actual real thing, but my papa. I don't know what that means. It's, it's a, it's a, <laughs> yes. it's, it's so not a thing because as I'm thinking about the ingredients, it's like there's tang. You remember tang? <laughs> that like orange I know drink? tang, but that's not tea. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know. Actually, gosh, I kind of have been lied to, my friend. I, I, I have been false deeply. teaching I that you've been. been given. But it was that was that was our thing. It was my papa's like specialty, and he it was called Russian tea, and it had hmm. t- tang was one of the ingredients, and it was a tea, and that was the drink we all drank. There was coffee too, I'm sure, but I just remember what were Russian the? Tea. I'm sorry, I don't want to harp on this, but <laughs> what were the other ingredients? I don't know. But what did it taste I, like? Tangy. <laughs> like, it was good. Like, okay. I got. Yeah. I, did, I, like I will. Tea I will figure or this like out. Like juice. Drink. Well, Kool-Aid. okay. So here's the thing. Were it's you not... drinking the Kool Aid? <laughs> oh my god! I really wasn't a cult. Oh, yeah, you were drinking the actual literal. Oh. There was literally Kool Aid, and you. Yeah. Your child, wow, repressed, well, repressed memories coming out already on the first is. episode of season two. That's why I'm here. Um, I don't know, but I will find out because I'm Great. I'm curious about this now it, too. Why I on feel, earth was this called Russian I, tea? I feel like this is really <laughs> important. So if you have no other reason to stay tuned for the rest of this season, <laughs> stick around because we're going to figure out what re- the hell is in Russian tea. We will tea. reveal the recipe. Hopefully, without offending every <clears throat> Russian person, oh, I know, right? That we, who's like tiptoe? God, that's not yeah. our tea, weirdos. So, um, so the Russian tea church was my church, and. Um, my grandparents were, despite the fact that we didn't have uh, any official leadership, I mm-hmm. mean, if we did, my papa would have been it. I mean, he's the pillar of this uh, community. Very small community, like 100 people um, on a Sunday, typical Sunday morning. Right. Um, <clears throat> so I felt like church royalty in that way. Like I felt like a pastor's kid um, yeah. in that way because papa was one of the main music leaders. He was one of the main preachers. And that's the other thing that we did. We did have a, you know, a second service that was looked more traditional. And there was a preacher who would come, you know, give exegesis on the Bible. Hmm. And, but that was a rotating person. Can you tell people what the word exegesis means? If I knew what it meant. (laughs) (laughs) I've been pretending to know that word means two for most of my life. Exposed. I mean, I know that it just means kind of, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't actually know how to explain what that is. Should we look it up? We can look it up. Let's look it up. Let's look, we've got the freaking internet here. This Um, is not, this, this feels important to me because I don't want to misinform people, but I I tell you what, because I didn't go to Bible college and everyone I knew went to Bible college. Ooh, here we go. 
critical explanation or interpretation of a text, especially of scripture. There you go. That's, that's your, pretty simple. It's like your vocab word for the day. There you go. It's perfect. Word of the day. Exegesis. Exegesis. It sounds like Jesus is in it. Mm, that's probably why I like it. Right. It sounds super Christian-y, but not specifically no, no. religious. No, not necessarily. We learned something today. So continue. Yes. <laughs> uh that was that was church world and it was very, very all consuming. We were you know, it was the anytime the doors are open, we're there and the doors were open lots of times during the week. Um, my school upbringing was a, a conservative Christian school. My mom taught there. So we, we, we grew up on the lower end of middle class, the, probably right on the line actually for a while when we were really young. Mm. Um, but we got free tuition at a, a private Christian school cause my mom taught there. So, um, and again, I have, I have a younger sister and a younger brother, um, so our family was just, you know, it was, we were inundated in that world. Um, for me, I knew early, early that I was different. Um, I was gay and that... How early is early? Uh, I would say for, by fourth grade, I knew what it was called. Hmm. And before fourth grade, I knew something was up. Yeah. So... Um, uh, that was that that that's just obviously been a, a huge thread through my whole experience because it's <clears throat> it was you know we talked earlier about how um, now I feel like I have better relationships because I am my whole self mm-hmm. and I just wasn't for a good twenty two even more years yeah. of my life um, I I was two people I was this person who was developing <laughs> internally as a sexual human being, um, and not just sexually, like queerness is, is much more than sex. Mm. Um, but that was all developing internally. And I learned, you know, how to keep that inside because I, as bits of it got exposed over the years and I was, you know, ridiculed or shamed in whatever kind of ways, you know, I learned how to keep all of that internally. And I actually, for a while, I think I was pretty good at fooling people. I think there were actually Mm. quite a few people who were I know it's hard to <laughs> believe now, believe um, knowing me now, I, I, uh, I've had a lot of friends as adults say like, what? Come on. Like, you <laughs> Stop it. You know you're queer. Stop it. Um, but back then I did a pretty damn good job of uh, internalizing all of that and, and maintaining a uh, whatever, the facade I needed to exist in that world. Sure. So... Um, I came, I came out the first time to my best female friend in college, my freshman year. Nice. Um, I couldn't say the word. Hmm. So I had to actually to her, she, she figured it out like without me really having to say much. Cause I was in such convulsing body shaking tears. Mm. Um, and she also had an uncle who, uh, I don't know how to talk about him. He was in a, a heterosexual marriage, but I don't know how he identified, but had, Struggled. struggled with homosexuality in some way. So she was, you know, kind of familiar with this whole scenario. Um, I actually didn't say the word gay until the third time I came out. Hmm. The second time I pulled out a Bible, and this was to my male best friend in college, pulled out the Bible and pointed to Romans 1, the, whatever the verse is in Romans 1, the clobber passage. And hmm. uh, oh, that was, 
that was a fucking experience. It was late night. We had a, on our hall, we had a, you know, common room. I'm sure it was after midnight. Nobody was around. The same kind of thing. I had a very, I was convulsing on the couch with my best friend, trying to tell this part of my story Mm -hmm. to this person who had become such a close part of my life and couldn't, I could not say the word. So I had to, I literally had to go back to my dorm room, tiptoe in and get, not wake my roommate and get my Bible and then bring it back and point to this verse. And I handed him the Bible pointed and like retreated to the other Mm -hmm. side of the couch in a ball. And I was there for, I mean, in my mind, it feels like 20 minutes, Mm. you know, I'm sure it probably wasn't that long. I was just there convulsing for a very long time as he just kind of held the Bible and stared at it. Mm. And I, you know, wrestling, I'm sure in his own way, but he, um, you know, he came over after the end of this very long period of silence where the only sounds were me, my stifled sobs. And he came over and just put his arm around me. And, um, so I'll always be so grateful for that mm. moment. Um, that, that whole, that whole story like goes off in a, a very different direction because yeah. But anyway, that moment I'll always be very, very grateful for with, with that person. I love it when, because yeah, becomes the, right. <laughs> because yeah. it's just too much. It's too it's much. Too much it's also not too much. I could probably just summarize it and say, I mean, obviously I fell in love with this person. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that that's what it was, sure. um, but I was, I was in love with him and uh, we had a very strong friendship until, you know, he, realized on some level that what we had was not what we thought we had different ideas about what we had right. and, and he, had to, he had to end that. Yeah. And that relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, all throughout college, I was very intent on my, my the, the, the through line of my story is that I did not want to lose my community and my place in the church. Mm-hmm. That was of utmost importance to me always because Hmm. I mean, it's just so much of the things that we've talked about already. I I didn't know what was on the other side of that. Mm -hmm. It was the only community I had ever known. Um, I had been prohibited from experiencing culture outside of my own. Hmm. So um, I didn't like even my mom is a foreign language teacher. And, you know, took me to France uh, twice Mm. uh, in high school. Um, But even then, like, like the time we really spent an extended period in France, we went and we stayed at a Christian uh, children's camp Mm. in uh, the French Alps, which is gorgeous and beautiful and a wonderful experience. But it was still like, okay, let's go get like some culture, like another safely in your bubble. Yeah, Yeah. still very much in my bubble. So I didn't I didn't have any idea that there might be. I just didn't know. I just didn't know what was on the other side of, I knew that my queerness was going to sever something significant. Hmm. And I, it was the only tether I I thought I had. Yeah. So without that, where do I go? Do I go to hell? Right. Do I go into the world of degenerates that's it's always been painted uh, for me uh, as a, you know, Ellen, like I wasn't allowed, I did watch the puppy episode of Ellen when she came out secretly in the basement. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but she was painted as, as you know, this like, you know, I, I, I how, like, I don't know how, how anybody can look at Ellen and paint her as 
a, just a bad person. Yeah. Like just with that brush. Right. Because she is such a light in the world. Such a light. Yeah. Such a light and does so much to bring people to, to bring out the good in, in, mm-hmm. in humanity. So it's like that kind of a, those kinds of blinders, like that you don't work through that overnight. Like even just watching the puppy episode of Ellen, like I'm sure I don't remember exactly what my experience with that was, but I, I'm sure I was super judgmental about it. Right. Um, <clears throat> so I mean, I think that, I think that would have been my biggest reason because the other thing is that I, with the exception of a handful of experiences that are very vivid and real to me and, and, and I can recall with very clear memory, mm-hmm. I didn't have my spirituality, my Christian spirituality didn't feel the way it was the way I thought it should feel. Mm. I didn't experience a relationship with Jesus the way everybody talked about their relationship with Jesus. I prayed and I was like really good, quote unquote, at praying um, in, uh, in terms of fitting in right. in the way I saw other people pray. Yeah. But actually, here's an interesting thing, too. I never, excuse me, I never once stood up. You know, I, I, I told you about Sunday mornings at our church and the men would stand up. When you turn 12, like, that was, you could, hmm. do, you could do that. Yeah. I never did it. Hmm. Not once hmm. in my whole life did I ever stand up. Now, I did other things. I, like, did special music from time to time. Right. and Special music. It's <laughs> another term we should define. <laughs> what makes the music special? It's just a solo. Oh, it's okay. a church solo. <laughs> By it's, a, it's literally a church solo. That's a perfect Yeah, exactly. Music. So I did that kind of stuff, and I was in our little Christmas cantata and children's plays and things like that. But I never stood up on a Sunday morning as a male member of this congregation and mm. called out, even so much as called out a hymn. I never yeah. did that. And looking back on that now, I think it was because I felt such inner turmoil and conflict and guilt about not really feeling what everyone else around me Hmm. was supposed to be feeling. Yeah. Um, So my spirituality felt kind of fake to me. And Mm. and I, and I had this kind of period of an encounter with Calvinism and, and like I had a lot of Presbyterian friends from my high school. And I, for a long period of time, really believed that I was just not elect I was not predestined or chosen. Oh, God. Yeah. I carried that for a long time. And and I thought it was because of my because I was gay. Yeah. So how could I be right. chosen? How could I be in heaven if I'm gay? Which leads into the whole next chapter of my life and and I just I was hyper hyper focused post college on becoming straight. Mm. Up to that point I had hoped it would just go away. And you know, by the time you're 22 you're like okay yeah this is this is here this seems to be part of me Hmm. so I encountered a group called Exodus International uh that probably a lot of people have heard of um it's no it no longer exists but it was run by a dude named Alan Chambers um and it was the probably the world's largest um network of conversion therapy reparative therapy like it was it was a program that you kind of go pray through. The pray the gateway. Yeah. yeah. So I did that for a long time. Um, I was actually in an Exodus group for like two years, but I followed the practice for five, for, mm-hmm. f- for five years. God. Um, and that was, uh, at the end of that five years, it was actually, I, I, that was when I had my big break 
um, and it was because they told me at the, at the outset, I was told the typical amount of time that it takes for a person to experience a transition from gay to, from homosexual to uh, heterosexual uh, is five years, you know, and that will vary from person to person, but that's like kind of, that's on, on, in our experience <laughs> doing this with thousands of individuals, yeah. most experience the transition in five years. So at the end of five years, I was, you know, gay as ever. Right. And man, that was my dark night of the soul. Mm. I, um, at this point, I was literally, I had, I, had lived, I had moved to Reno, lived in Reno, Nevada for a couple of years where I was on staff at a church there and um, had only come out to people very, like only come out to basically the leadership of the church because I felt <laughs> an obligation to, if they're going to give me a paycheck, I, they need to know that they're paying someone who struggles with homosexuality. Mm-hmm. Like that's a weight I felt. Um, so it was, you know, in that context of like, I, this is something I struggle with. It's not anything I ever want to engage with right. or, you know, it's right. not a path I'm going down, but it's my struggle. So <clears throat> that the end of that five year period of really intense personal work and therapy and everything to try and make myself straight. And I did everything. I went to like the, the healing services where they put their hand on your head and you fall down and you convulse in the spirit. And, mm-hmm. you, and, and yeah, I, I did. Did you do that? I did all of that. Did you do the no, falling down and yes. convulsing thing? Yeah, but only because I... Because you knew that's what you were supposed yes, to do. I felt really like compelled to because that was the environment, not right. because I experienced a supernatural thing right. happening yeah. to me. I just like, oh, this is the moment. I have to fall down. Gotta and I have do to it. like, you know, start speaking totally. in tongues. Yeah. Which is the only time in my life I've ever spoken in tongues either. Um, totally fabricated experience. So... Yeah, I, I was all in on that. And at the end of five years, I mean, you can imagine how <laughs> a cynical person would be super cynical yeah, um, for sure. uh, about that experience. So it just happened to coincide with a move to San Diego with mm. a team of people to plant a church. Mm. So uh, uh, a man and uh, 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 my best friend, the, he was the pa- one of the pastors at the church in Reno, um, he and his wife. So the same best friend from the college. Story? No, no, no. no it's yeah, best new best, friend. New best okay. friend now uh, that I made in Reno. Okay. And uh, invited me and another girl who were part of this church in Reno to come plant a church. Mm-hmm. And they, we landed on San Diego. We moved down here, and it, that was my five-year mark was moving down here. So I, again, <laughs> not ready to lose my spot in the church. Mm. But I was also done. Yeah. I was not going to... I was like, this is... I'm gay. Like, I am gay. That is right. a thing I am. So I... That was when I came out, came out. But again, it's a... For me... Sort of. Yeah, it was, it was pulling... It was layers because I came out and I said, I am gay. I want to change the stigma around that in the church. Like, mm. I want to be a force for good around that. And to, in order to help people understand that this isn't a choice that people make that you can't, and even at this point I was saying not everyone can, because I, was, I, was, I wasn't going to discount Exodus. Right. I wasn't going to try and take them on. Sure. Um, although, thankfully, people have, and Oprah did, and now it's gone, so yay. But, um, Thanks, Oprah. <laughs> thank you, Oprah. Thank you. Um, Thanks for everything. Uh, and Alan Chambers himself has, you know, come around and, and changed his tune. So hmm. it's all good there. But um, I was going to at least, like, stick around 
in the church context that I was in and I, I saw myself as a potential bridge builder. Totally. That was, I, I like tried to start a nonprofit around this right. um, called the second guess, which like let's second guess our preconceptions Aww. about homosexuality. Um, I like that very much. <laughs> Continue. Yeah. So that was what I was doing as I was planting a church in mm. San Diego. So for the first time in my life, I was able to acknowledge the, a truth about myself that I had had to, you know, cover up. Um, um, but my commitment in that was to be single and celibate, hmm. um, so that I could be that person standing in the gap and building, you know, right. reaching out to those two communities. Side note, it's hilarious to me looking back that I was like, I'm going to build bridges between my two communities. I didn't have two you communities. Didn't have that community. I had, <laughs> <laughs> I had the church community only. LGBTQ communities yeah. over here, like, uh. <laughs> I had zero gay friends. What are you doing yeah. here? Who are you? What? Yeah, I know. It was hilarious. My first meeting, Aww. my first meeting of the second guest literally was a whole bunch of Christians. And then like Damien, who's been on this podcast, he was my first gay friend because he came to our church. Right. Um, and he brought like a friend. So there were like oh. th- t- a total of three gay people. And then like, I don't know, 20 Christian yeah. folks who were, who were there for me. Like they, right. they had my back mm-hmm. in this. Um, so <laughs> that's beautiful. But I feel like honestly, I'm going to interrupt you because yeah, I, I feel like that's, that's like a really, it's a beautiful impulse, first of all, but I feel like it's also a really common trajectory a little bit mm. for people who go through this, who yeah. are like, okay, I've been like doing this image projecting thing. And then it's like this, like the halfway point between like the deep dive into heathenism and the, <laughs> um, and like the image projecting thing is this place where you're like, okay. I'm going to tell you who I am. Mm. I'm going to confess to you that this is who I am, but I swear to God, I'm going to do better. Yeah. You know, like I'm going to be this, but I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to fix it. Like, hold up. I'm going to figure out a way to make this okay for Jesus. And Jesus is going to like me here, you know? And I feel like, like that, that's such a heartbreakingly beautiful place. Like it's such a, it's such a tragic shame tension and like such a heartfelt earnest earnest as fuck real like desire to just be good yep you know like to be good enough and that like it's heartbreaking Mm -hmm. but i feel like that's such a like so many of us there are so many people place yeah who who can relate to that man it's the yeah i hear that story over and over And over. The shame is such a, like, even when you were telling your friend, you know, even in that scene in college where you're telling your friend, like, you don't have the words for your identity. So you're pointing to the, the shame prison, you know, like yeah. you're literally giving him the shame prison and being yeah. like, you figure out that, that I'm in this, like, draw the conclusion. But like, that's so, man, the things we've done with shame. Yeah. The, the side of that, that, Yes, like heartbreakingly, heartbreakingly beautiful. I agree with that. And then there's also the side of it that what I mean, what it caused me to do then was to double down right. on a faith that wasn't real to me. Yeah, absolutely. I I was like, well, now I've I, I've revealed this piece. Now I've got to 
really step up my game. I cannot slip anywhere. Right. Talk about a slippery slope. Right. I cannot give even the appearance of evil in any part of my life. Yep. So I doubled down on a faith that I had all kinds of inner internal mm. doubts about and conflict around. And I was like, I'm going to step up my game. I'm a worship leader. I'm planting a church. Um, and I really was going to be the best Christian ever. That was right. that was the only thing I cared about. I cared about it so much that yeah. I was willing to... I looked at the trajectory of my life and I said, I will never have a partner. That won't mm-hmm. be something for me. That And that's okay. Like, that was a thing I came to terms with. Yeah. I literally came to terms with that and believed with all of my heart that I was going to be single for the rest of my life. Yeah. And that is a thing that is common to so many queer people as well. I, yeah. The number of people who've had to, like stare down that dragon, demon, whatever the phrase is. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, not great. <laughs> no, it's a beautiful impulse that leads to impossible yeah. striving. Unsustainable yeah. striving, mm-hmm. I think. Yep. Almost across the board, which is totally. how we all wind up here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's and the rest of the story is kind of, you, you kind of know how it goes. Like, I, I, did, I, I was in that church for another five years and uh, kind of... The whole time doing doing my journey and and slowly approaching the point of being like, oh, it's not sin. Mm. It's not sin for me to be who I am and to love somebody. Yeah. Um, and and kind of making an assumption, a foolish assumption that a lot of people were coming with me on that journey mm. in that church. So when I finally got to the point where I I again, it's such a weird thing that queer people have to do. Like I had to like. I had to come out on so many different levels, so many different times. And I had to announce to my church, I'm going to start dating now. Like who has to do that? No one has to do that. You don't have to announce to your community. I am now going to seek (laughs) companionship. Like what the fuck? No, if you did actually, that'd be really fucking weird. (laughs) People would be like, again, the normal people. Henceforth, henceforth, heathens, when I say normal, I just mean people who grew up outside of an evangelical context. That is my official definition of normal here. But like the normal people are like, great. (laughs) Well, good on Uh, you, you know? (laughs) Have Um, fun with that. But I did. I had to do that. And that, you know, caused a giant rift in our church. The, my best friend who I, you know, believed was kind of with me uh, in that journey mm. and had, had similarly, had come to similar conclusions as me, had not. And um, that was actually one of the, I had a lot of heartbreaking losses uh, in, in very personal relationships mm. and um, mostly centered around, you know, me having to be who I am and that not being okay for the other person. And that one in particular was, is the one that haunts me still. (laughs) It's the, uh, it's the relationship that I told, I told this person, I like, I was, I believed so deeply in what he and his wife were doing. Like I, I wanted to write his mem, like his, um, not his memoirs, his, uh, like his biography. Mm -hmm. I wanted to do that for him one day. Like I, like, and again, there was probably, there was, there was a, on some level I was like, if I had been who I, if I had been able to be myself, I would have like fallen in love with him. I was very aware of the fact that that was a tendency for me. So I was suppressing right. all, of, all of that. But that was still filling something. But that was, it was, it was filling. Yeah. I had decided to be single for the rest of my life. So right. I needed some very serious like friendships and that was, it was one of them. So, um, 
man, I'll never forget that conversation either. It was, it was a hard one. And I, I, I initially resigned from my position in the church um, and committed to going there as just like a butt in a seat, which is not what I do in my life. Right. No. No, believe, oh. believe it or not, I'm not Shocking. just like a passive participant in anything. Never would have guessed. <laughs> um, so that was really hard. I, I went to the church for seven months after that, after kind of resigning and just showed up on Sundays and didn't help set up chairs and didn't uh, play music and didn't, I didn't do anything during the week. Like I was, you know, I was responsible for all of our web stuff, our emails. Like I didn't, I gave all of that up and it was so, that was so hard. And the f- what was really hard was that the follow-up, the, I, I committed to like still being that person, right? I'm, I'm still going to be in the church. I'm going to be in the thing. We're going to figure this out. We're going to, f- like, for what, this, what this means for our community, I'm going to do my part. And I expected and asked and trusted that the other side was going to meet me. Mm-hmm. You know, folks who weren't okay with me being in leadership and gay were still going to meet, meet with me and we're going to figure this yeah, out together. Yeah. And it was like, once I wasn't in leadership, once I wasn't behind a guitar in front of them, it was like, cool. Like you're so welcome to come. You are so welcome. Mm. Come as you are. And that's it. That's all you get. And no one ever followed up with me. My best friend Mm. let it let, I mean, it just, everything fell off the face of the earth as far as I could see. Mm. Um, so that, that last, I had a last, we used to have breakfast all the time, you know, every week I had a last breakfast with him and I, I was very proud of myself. I like, I told him, I was like, I think you're going to regret this one day because I, I, you know, I, I confronted him and I asked him, I was like, what's going on? Is this going to go anywhere? And he right. just, he had nothing for me, not even any kind of an apology. And I told him, I was like, I think you're going to regret this one day. And I walked away and that mm-hmm. was the last, that's the last I ever said to that man. Wow. Yeah. So it's a crazy thing to dedicate your life to another person's vision and then have it, have it end that way. So mm. I don't know. I, I still feel like there's maybe some reckoning to be done there. Yeah. And I don't know what that's going to look like. But, you know, after that, bounced around lots of different churches. I had my first boyfriend. I put all the energy that I had put into um, church, into that relationship. Which So what was that like? Was there a pendulum swing there for you a little bit? Or like what was that? Because mm, you've like, gone through this place of like, yeah. in being in denial for so long. And then. Yeah. There, there was. It. it uh funny I, I I never like fully disassociated from church except for a brief period really when we well it's funny I, I worked for I, I moved to St. Louis with this with my first boyfriend mm-hmm. uh, he was in grad school um, and I ended up getting a job in a Methodist church there of course you did so we, we weren't we weren't going to church uh, you know as a couple like we had kind of like we were working through our shit obviously and but I ha- but every day I was still in a church building talking to <laughs> My boss, who was the, the reverend, um, and she was phenomenal. I yeah. loved her. Um, Methodists, like y'all, y'all, y'all got some good things going for you. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, so there's just you know always kind of tethered and tied. But it was when I moved back to San Diego after that relationship ended that I was like, I'm not gonna do church. Yeah. Like 
I'm just not going to do it. I refuse. <laughs> and wouldn't you know it. <laughs> King Colby show up. Yeah. Uh, if you've listened to this podcast at all, you know what happened there. My, my, some of my closest friends started a church, and I, I did church. But I did it in a way that I like guarded what I needed guarded. Yeah. I, I helped out with music every other week, and I didn't go on the weeks that I wasn't right. doing music. And it really was... It was a really good process for me to go through that disconnect for a while. And they let you set that boundary. And they let me. Mm-hmm. And I've never had a church Mm-mm. that let me really, truly, 100% live into all of my doubts. Mm-hmm. All, you know, the faith that I pretended was everything to me. I could actually, and I did. I got up in front of the church and gave my faith formation story, my test, you know, quote unquote testimony, mm-hmm. and said to this group of people that I led music in front of every other week, I'm not a Christian anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't believe these things. I don't believe in the death and burial and resurrection. And I don't believe that that saved my soul. And I don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. And nobody cared. <laughs> and they clapped for me right. when I was done. <laughs> So I get, I I understand on a very deep level what it is to not be able to be who you are, Mm -hmm. um, speak your truth, um, and be authentic about your experience, your your own spiritual experience. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I also understand what it is to be able to do that in a community that that is accepting and safe and loving. And that is a huge reason why mm. heathen matters to me so much because I know that there aren't sojourn graces on every corner in America. No. Uh, and I've experienced that already. People emailing me saying like from Canada. From, How do I get a sojourn? Well, just, but yeah. yeah. And then just saying like, yeah, I don't have, I don't have that. Right. So, um, so to whatever degree that we can provide that solid and soft place to take that first step away from bad religion I'm here for it like that's that's what we're here for I love that so I thought I could do that way shorter and I didn't that's I'm sorry right. I'm sorry have we met yeah because, like, <laughs> I know right y'all know this is a three-hour podcast now people are gonna be like oh god um we're gonna try to make it through yeah. how are we doing we are at do 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 Here's Super Mario portion. Does that say two hours and 15 minutes? That can't be right. I mean, it's 10.08. I think we're only at one hour and 15 minutes. Yeah. That's not awful. No, that's great. We've got plenty of time. This is awesome. We're doing well. Boy, oh boy. I just want to also... I'm not done. I just I do want to say too that uh, it's really cool to be able to live out this spiritual experience I am having now, mm-hmm. like authentically, and the things that I I mean I think I talked a little bit with Kate about what yoga is doing for me, which is a thing I never I always thought I would hate. That's yoga. a very new thing. Yeah. Like this yoga thing is like a. Five like five days ago. What happened with the yoga? Thing? <laughs> no, it's really been the past month. Yeah. Yeah. No, let's save that. Let's actually do okay. like a whole. Yes. Because you like yoga. I love. So yoga. let's do a whole conversation about oh, that yoga yeah, one day. Oh, I'm but into I, that. I just will say like that. Like that is a spiritual practice for me now. Like I I did it before coming here tonight because hmm. I needed I needed that today. Right. Um, music, <laughs> four chords, and repetition is still a thing. Bring it. Huge thing in my life. 
Um, but I love being able to live my spiritual experience and, and do my spiritual practice and be real about it and say like, it doesn't involve me praying to Jesus. It doesn't involve me. Um, you know, it doesn't involve a sinner's prayer or like a salvation that is coming from, uh, a specific person. Mm. Um, and you know, I, I, there's, I still want to talk about Jesus. There's a lot of interesting stuff there, but it's just so great. It's so great to have real relationships that are as meaningful to me as now as what I thought my relation. And I don't want to discount the relationships I've had in the past. Sure. Those best friends I talked about that, you know, the heart wrenching stuff that that was, those were real relationships that are the part of, they made me who I am. Mm -hmm. Um, and they are meaningful to me. Um, so I don't even want to draw the comparison, but I just, I just, it's important to like say for anybody who, who worries and wonders about what your relationships are going to be like after you walk away. Yeah. They're going to be good. Yeah. They're going to be so good. Real good. And it's going to be hard and you'll have to forge new tra- trails and it's not easy, but no. it's beautiful and wonderful. And I'm the happiest I've ever been hmm. and the healthiest I've ever been. So good. And the meest I've ever been. And the youest. <laughs> and the youest. Yeah. I like that. The meest. Yeah, so there we go. That's uh that's the my attempt at condensing that story. It's pretty good. I mean, that's a lot of story. Yeah. And you <clears throat> fit it into like less than an hour. <laughs> I feel like that it's okay. good. You right. did a good job. Good. Mm-hmm. Kudos that. Pat on the back. Kudos for you. It's all that yoga. Um, it's really helping. Yeah. Oh, yoga. Can't wait to talk about that. Um, so, okay, but we got to this point in our notes here that says Puff the Magic Dragon, and that's there because it was a throwaway comment you made at the very end of our conversation before. Yeah. And you're like, well, I didn't even get to Puff the Magic Dragon. So I, like, I, I said, I was like, well, we'll do that next time, and this is the next time. Here we are. So, Karen Thurston, what is the deal with Puff the Magic Dragon? Lives by the sea. He does. My dad used to sing me that song a lot when I was a kid. Um, Can I get some more wine? We'll do a little. Yeah, we take a break. We'll do a little pause break here. Like play some pretty music. So we have new wine. We have new wine now. (laughs) New wineskins. (laughs) <laughs> in the same wine glass. Oh my god! Um, and I went and grabbed. I'm holding this DVD that my father. What made. is that, Karen Thurston? So my dad is my dad is like a super techie. Like my dad is one of the original computer programmers. I grew up in the Silicon Valley, and my dad is like, um, like one of the OG computer dudes. Wow. Like, like anyone who's a programmer now should like want to sit down with my dad and, wow. and like tell them about the origin of computers. Like he was in on all kinds of really cool stuff. Um, yeah, it's great. Uh, so he does, he does geeky stuff like make me DVDs that are, that no one else has, um, which is great. Um, so yeah. there's this version of Puff the Magic Dragon. <laughs> this version. It's I love a, that so you're calling it this version. Well, cause it's it not, looks, can I just say it looks like clip art. It does. From Microsoft Word. Yeah. Like 1998, Microsoft Word. Right. And the dragon looks a little molesty. He's a mess. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's holding the he's, kid and he looks, he's creepy. He's creepy. Yeah, it's a creepy, <laughs> the whole thing is actually pretty dark. Um, it's like the late 70s that these cartoons were made. They're trippy. 
they're a little like acidy, trumy, trippy. Got it. Um, but it's not just like the song. Like there are three. <laughs> this includes three episodes. <laughs> so, so on the back, Puff the Magic Dragon, Land of the Living Lies, and the Incredible Mr. Nobody. Um, but it's one of those things. Like I watched it as a child, and I filled in a lot of the blanks. Like because mm. there are, there's a lot of vocabulary in this that I didn't understand as a little kid. There's a lot of big themes. And I went back and watched it as an adult and just was like on the floor with how beautiful and really? profound and gorgeous. Like I might send you home with this because okay. you've got so much time to watch. You, <laughs> there's so many. I was already assigned you like 40 hours of television. Um, <laughs> dear God. Um, but one of the things I feel like really there are there are pieces of media that I like internalized as a child that have been way more formative for me than I like I can't I can't unravel Puff the Magic Dragon from mm. like my personhood like it's just so much gotcha. part of me yeah um but I've been referencing it a lot lately as I've been talking to people about my life right now there's uh in one of these um episodes Puff blows his smoke ring <laughs> and he has Jackie Paper, who travels with him, look through the smoke ring. And so it's always like, okay, Jackie Paper, you can see what is, here's what is, like, here's what you can see. But then he blows the, the smoke ring and he's like, but here's what's happening underneath hmm. that. So here's what, so like there's a thing with a big scary pirate um, who's on an island and he's just grumping around and being grumpy and um, angry and scary. And he blows the smoke ring and you can see that he's just like, he really wants to be a baker like, which is a weird, whatever, it's a kid show. Um, but he blows the smoke ring and you can kind of see the longing and the fear and like his desire to just bake. He just wants to bake. And you can all of a sudden see the potential for this mean old pirate. And it gives Jackie Paper the perspective and the empathy to then like go up to the pirate and be like, can you bake a cherry pie? Very long, very long. <laughs> Can you bake a cherry pie? Very long, John. And the pirate is like, I can bake a pie. I, I can. And then he bakes a pie. And then he becomes this like fabulous, like, I made a pie. Oh, my wow. God. And everything. And like he becomes this. But like it's such a, I love when a, a complex idea can be boiled down into like a very child friendly. Mm. Like 90% of my life is trying to do that because Fable asks hard questions. Um, she's a smart one. Gosh, she's impossible in the best way. <laughs> um but I, it was, it's so simple, like this practice of learning to see what could be underneath or what's just learning to look for what's actually happening underneath. Because I think most of the time we go through life kind of just reacting to whatever's happening on the surface, reacting to whatever image people are projecting all of the time and just, just reacting and reacting to that. Um, and when you can when you can train your brain to always be looking for the why that's behind it, um, it opens this like incredible, mm. the Enneagram does that for me yeah. too. Like it opens this empathy. It's like a magic empathy smoke ring portal. That's just like, makes me fall in love with all of the pirates all of the time. Cause I'm just like, Oh, I see though. Hmm. Like I see, 
Um, and then you have to do the work of becoming a good boundary setter because you can't let pirates pirate all over you just Ooh. because you can see the internal baker. You know, you yes. can't be like, that is a line to walk, man. Right. Fine the line. pirates then have got to still like get their pirate shit in check and start baking some pies. Yeah. Uh, or you need to be able to like self care becomes a really radical, weird thing to navigate through that. But, um, mm. How this is relevant to my life right now, um, the smoke ring. So I am in the midst at this moment in time of my second divorce, which Mm -hmm. is a real cute place to be at 35. It raises Mm -hmm. a lot of interesting eyebrows. (laughs) What is wrong with the girl? Um, And as as I'm in conversation with people about where we are right now, um, there's just a lot of preconceived stuff that comes around the idea of divorce that it has to be this um it this all must be very hard and this is very tragic and it's very sad and it's awful and the worst possible yeah scenario and outcome um which i understand like i i completely understand where people are coming from on that but I feel always like my my entry point to the conversation is let me blow you the smoke ring and invite you to look through and be like, okay, but here's how it could be. And here's how maybe it is this way for us right now. And just kind of trying to get people to jump into that smoke ring with me a little bit and be like, Hey, come sit. And it's not a, you know, there's a fine line between justification Right. Okay. And acknowledgement. And it, you know, I try to be really mindful of walking that line and making sure that I'm not over glorifying, you know, <laughs> overemphasize. Oh, but it's beautiful. Like it's also very hard. Yeah. There are things that are very complicated and things that are very sad. And, um, yeah, that word justification is an interesting one well, for you to choose. Like that seems like a very like, coming from a evangelical, thing. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because there, there, there is. I mean, there's nothing to justify. There isn't. Well, oh yeah, but I still have right. my evangelical twin sister who lives gotcha. in my brain. Gotcha. Who she is just like, mm, girl, you better have a reason. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's one. It's one thing to talk about how it's both things. It's right. hard and it's through the smoke ring, but. Mm-hmm. You don't. You don't have to justify. Yeah, that. yeah, and I mean, I don't have to justify it, but I do have to own it as. Hmm. I mean, when you, something has happened repeatedly in your life, when you've followed a certain pattern a few times, like I think it's important to start going. Okay, so listen, sister, what's happening under this? Yeah. Like, how are we ending up here? Um, and taking ownership of that matters to me because frankly I'd rather not go through this yeah. more times in my life if we right. can if we can avoid doing that neat and it could be that marriage is stupid like that could be that, could that be is one potential sorry married people everywhere yeah. like that could be it could be that I am just at a place where I've decon- I'm deconstructing marriage for me personally mm-hmm. and that that could just be the thing but it's probably more likely that there's something happening in me that is somehow driving all these things. Um, and I think what's interesting, we're just going to go on this. Will you be fine with that? Yeah, I'm just, let's go. I'm just riffing. Um, like I think like listening to your story, like I, it doesn't seem to me and correct me if I'm wrong, that you are an image projector by nature. Like I feel like it's not necessarily your nature to go through the world as someone other than you are 
I feel like circumstantially you were nurtured yeah. into that. Like you kind of had to project an image in I, order to survive. Yeah, I can chew that. Yep. And so much of where you have been at different moments in your life resonates with me. But I don't have circumstances that have necessitated my image projection. Like I have always been the right person for my circumstances. And so my image projection enness, my need to become this person who, you know, is a certain level of impressive or a certain level, it's all self-inflicted. Like that comes from me more than it comes from my external influences. Um, mm. So it's interesting because like so many of those, like I've come out multiple times in my life. I'm straight. I've come out so many times <laughs> because I am constantly building for myself circumstances that I have to come out from and just mm. be like, well, actually, yeah. like I think I just remembered who I am. And like you, like you talking about your um, experience with Exodus and that whole thing, like me at the end of five years, if I wasn't there, I would really just put myself into like a suspension of disbelief position and just convince myself that like, well, no, I am like, I'm, I'm there. I am, I am there now. And I'm very good. I'm very good at self-forgetting and I'm very good at losing myself into a, uh, or I have been historically mm -hmm. very good at that. And I think that this is the first, really like this last year has been the first time in my life that I am also showing up like as my whole self to mm. the table. But I've had the privilege and the opportunity to do that all along. I just haven't been able to step into it for one reason or another. And I don't feel shame around that. Like I, I have a lot of empathy for that girl and a lot of compassion yeah. for her. Yeah. Um, and I know what it felt like to be her. <laughs> um, so I don't blame her, but at the same time, um, there is a, there's a futility to it where I look back and I'm like, my God, you know, <laughs> honey, yeah. stop. And there's that, we talked about last time that Mary Oliver poem with the, you don't have <sighs> to be good. Like I need to get, I seriously need to get it tattooed like on my forearm so that I see it every day. I was talking to Kate about this last week. I'm like that's what I need to put on my body. But yeah. like, you don't have to be, because that message is just in me. Like it doesn't come from anyone. It doesn't come from my family. Mm. It doesn't come from anybody. It's just in me. It yeah okay. But let's talk about that <laughs> because unpack is that. yeah is that just in you? Well, no. I mean, well, yeah, because you didn't tell yourself that. At a, at a very young age, that, that had to have been a message a that, little. You, that you interpreted from somewhere. Yeah, I've been trying to figure out the origin of this for a long time. I have a family that is relentlessly accepting of me mm. when I decide to reveal myself mm. to them. So when I finally let them in, they always show up and go, hey, we're here and we like you. Oh. Um, and I am just not great at giving them the opportunity to do that. Yeah. Uh, or friends. I have great friends who do that too, who when I actually like, when I have the ability to reach out and say, Hey, I need this. Like I have no shortage of people. I have 
incredible privilege. People who will come around me and who will invite me over and who will talk through things with me and who are willing to help. Like I'm surrounded by people who are willing to help. So it really is an interesting uh, self-inflicted Thing. Well, and, and maybe I'm, maybe it is a, uh, a personality thing, it is. you know? Like, well, and it does have, I mean, it does have an origin and it, it comes, yeah. I think a lot from, um, the religion, I think like growing up Christian because it was something I could be good at fed it. Like mm-hmm. it was something that I could definitely yeah. like, Oh, I'm real good at succeeding here. Yeah. So I can definitely build up an entire persona around my success <laughs> in this area. And that's great. Look at me. I can do this super well. But I also grew up hearing again and again and again and again that I was the smart girl. Mm. And that I think really, it commodified my person. Wow. It, it made it so like I very much got the message mostly through school, through other kids, through other people that my value was absolutely rooted in what I could contribute. Mm-hmm. So my contribution was my value. So I was never the person who could show up to a group project and feel like I could get away with coasting because my entire value, the thing that people liked about me, the thing that allowed me to be part of the conversation, the thing that allowed me to sit at the table with people was the fact that I could contribute ideas or I could edit their papers or I could figure something out for them. Um, And I got really used to that being my entry point into relationship with people where people would say, hey, I need help with this. And I'd be like, well, I can help. That's the thing I can do. I've got you, you know, (laughs) like, yes, look what I can do for you. I can do this. Uh, And in a way like that became the way that I alienated myself. Like it became the way that I othered myself where I was just like, oh, okay, well, like, it's my job to contribute. There's a real sense of like really damning pride that comes in with that where I, I don't think less of anyone else for asking for help, but God forbid I should need help with something like yeah. then I don't deserve to live, obviously, oh, wow, like, yeah. which yeah. is ridiculous because like if you ask me for help, I feel so like validated and I love you for it and I feel close to you and I'm like, oh. that's intimacy. And I <laughs> completely don't allow other people to be to yeah. feel intimacy with me because I'm like, I don't need help. Right. I'm just here to contribute. Um, so, yeah, I think that I think a lot of that image projecting thing like I think a lot of it it kind of came in there like that just became my identity um that's what I that's what I do I show up and I give you a thing yeah. <laughs> I say here are some words that you needed yeah. you know yeah. got those here yeah. you go um and then people go wow you have the words and I go yay and that's our relationship yeah like that becomes the crux of our relationship um so uh, I, I can, yeah, yeah, I can see how that leads to, I can see why the smoke ring you mm-hmm. know, is so, so meaningful to you right now. Yeah. How has that been? Um, I mean, take, bringing it back to talk, you talking about your divorce, like how has that been as you tried to bring that perspective when you talk to people about our our, smoking perspective yeah are are people going there with you yeah sometimes just because I'm pretty good 
at getting people on board for things. Like, let's be real. A lot of times it's because I'm pretty good with the sell. Um, But, um, yeah, I mean, I'm probably probably one of the few people who could spin my own tragedy. (laughs) And turn it into, like... No, really, guys, it's beautiful, and here's why. Um, yeah. But at the same time, like, I believe that. Like, that's not coming from a disingenuous place. Yeah. Um, I believe that you believe that. Thank you. It feels genuine. Um, it does. It feels like it's where it's necessary for us. But I find that, um, for me, the pattern that has been necessary and what I'm trying to avoid doing now, because what's been necessary for me is to, like, build up this whole thing and then to, like, burn it down and mm. to, like, come out and be like actually <laughs> sorry yeah. pay no attention to the man behind the curtain <laughs> um i'm not the powerful laws and then uh and then panic and yeah. then fall right back into okay uh, let's do it again yeah. like let me build another one because i don't know what else to do getting in touch with my own person god forbid that would be that would be too scary let's not do that mm-hmm. um so let's go back to being good and like, oh, I can be good and then do this again. And then lo and behold, we wind up again where like whoever me is in here, she's like, hey, yo, I need a life. Um, I need to be allowed to live. And so she comes out and then I go, oh, great, here we are again. And then I have to call everyone and come out to people literally and yeah. just be like, actually, here's what's really been going on for me that I haven't let you in. And it's not you, it's me, Um, which is interesting because it's hurtful to people when they find out that you have been hurting and you haven't allowed them to help you. That sucks because then everyone's like, well, I thought I knew you and I thought I knew what was going on for you. Um, So I wind up apologizing a lot and just being like, God, I'm, I'm really sorry. And like, that really isn't, that's me grossly underestimating you. That was nothing to do with anything. Wow. Um, but inviting, I mean, the problem, the, the interesting thing with the smoke ring thing is that like where we are now, as hard as it was for us to get here, um, and as sad as the work that it took for us to get here was, it has been so good for us to be where we are, um, and to be telling the truth and to be able to pursue healing, uh, in our own ways. Mm. And um, to be known and seen and still loved. And so Joe has been that for me in very much the same way that it's been for you. I mean, I showed up and the first thing I did was like make Kate have coffee with me and just be like, here is all of the bullshit that I do. Like, here's everything that I will try to do. I'm going to try to jump in on all your freaking church programming and do it really well because that's what I do. And I need you to not let me do that. Like, I need you to be like, Karen, no. Oh, that's back up. Yeah. Because like that, that's what I do. And thank God that Kate and Colby are each other's because like I kind of am Colby in a lot of ways. I told him this on Sunday, like, thank you being you because I find the work that you've done with your wife very useful (laughs) because I feel like she has learned a lot about who you are which translates to her being so helpful for me because I'm so similar um but it's been a place where I can just like they've proven to me over and over again that I can show up and just be like I'm crying today I don't know what I believe today. It's Christmas. I don't know what I think about the word Christ. Can I write about it? 
great, let's do it. And like, they're just completely unthreatened, which is unprecedented in my religious history. It's always been like, oh, if you are going to go through this, we have to pull you away. Yes. People cannot watch you go through this. We have a place for you, but it's not... Yeah. Right. You not, for not front, sure. Not, mm-hmm. We don't want everyone to catch whatever mm. it is that you have. Oh, so, the like, contagious thing. Don't lead them. Because um, that, like, it's that whole idea of unfollowing your leader when, yeah. like, if your leader is failing, you yeah. have to stop following them because they're going to lead you clearly, like, straight to hell. Totally. So, fair warning, everyone. Um <laughs> You are listening to a podcast called Heathen, so... <laughs> you brought yourselves here. Um, yeah, so that's where we are right now. And it's a, new, it's a new place. It's a new place for my life. So Fable and I, you know, live here in this home with our friends, which is wonderful. We have our own space down here mm. that we're sitting in, which I love. It's beautiful. Um, and... I think we're going to do some really good work here. It's going to be great. Love it. And I painted the wall pink. And that made me happy. Uh, and I've never, I've never painted anything pink, so that was new. Uh-huh. Um, Which is another thing that you have in common with Colby. He's come to accept and acknowledge the that color pink, pink. Pink is oh, yeah. his favorite color as well. That and it was a whole, you know, gendering thing that he yeah. had, to, had to go through. There's a lot in that too. We have to do a whole episode on me and the patriarchy <sighs> and my participation therein. Um, yeah. But yeah, and we, I mean, our little family is still our little family. And I firmly reject this idea that the only way to love each other is to stay married. Yeah. Um, For us, the best way to love each other was to not at this point in time. It's Mm. true for me. Like that has been true for us. This was the way that we could love each other. Oh my God. Was to give each other space. And thank God I'm in charge of teaching my child Um, because right now, so far, because she's surrounded by the community she's surrounded with, no one has put into her mind that her parents don't love each other anymore because we don't live together. Right. And I think that that's profoundly wonderful. Like the fact that she, if you ask her, she'll say, of course, mama and dad will love each other. Families love each other in different ways and they love each other from different houses. Yeah. And that was what works best for our family. And that, um, that's been such a gift, like her, her reflecting that back to us as we kind of go through this. And there, you know, I mean, there are parts of it that have been hard and there are days that are hard and there, yes. you know, it's, everything is a transition, but what she is reflecting back over and over again is just that she feels secure and she feels loved. And that, that was my big thing. I didn't, I spent years just staying in the pretense because I was so afraid of ruining her. And I was so sure that I would ruin her. Mm. Um, oh boy. I, I'm doing <laughs> emoji hands right now because I, I, yes, I just, I'm so in love with this part of your story and mm. what I, what I'm witnessing just, you know, totally peripherally on the outside. Well, you haven't been completely <coughs> peripherally. Like, That's you've true. Been weirdly in it. <laughs> weirdly in it. Yeah. Uh, I, I had, uh, your husband as, as my uh, roommate for a minute and Mm -hmm. Fable lived with us for a minute. And, um, as a quote unquote child, adult child of divorce, Mm -hmm. but a child who, um, watched his parents stay together for all of the reasons that you, you just confessed, you know, were, were there for you too. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, 
it's the most transformative, amazing thing to see and hear you talk about um, your divorce in this way. Because mm-hmm. my parents should have should have divorced when I was Fable's age, mm-hmm. maybe a little older, and um, they didn't. They didn't yeah. until I was twenty, and um, I mean, it was such a it was such a I mean the the pressure around um, you know what a what a divorce is in that world was so great that mm. my parents in North Carolina I think that there's some you have to separate for a year before you can actually file for a divorce so you have right. to do a, an official separation and my parents did that totally um, unbeknownst to anybody in their lives yeah I, I don't wow. think anybody knew which is so like. Yeah. To do that alone, like alone, completely and completely totally alone, completely alone, and then and then followed through with a divorce, again, without telling a soul. My siblings and I didn't find out until a couple months after the divorce was even final that, mm. like I I had I worked I worked I didn't move home from college that year. I worked away and I came home at the end of that summer and my mom sent me down. I was like, your dad and I got a divorce two months ago. Mm. So did you know, like, did you have, Oh, I knew they were, I knew they, I knew their marriage was a shit show. Yeah. Um, but they were so, they always told us both separately, you know, cause I'd had kind of, well, more mom. Right. (laughs) I didn't have a lot of communication with my dad about it, but mom had told me, you know, no divorce is so wrong and Mm -hmm. such a sin that I am committed to your father regardless. Right. No matter what. And of course, you know, they, they did finally. Yeah. But my God, it's so amazing for me to hear you talk about marriage in this way. And I, and I strongly suspect it will be a transformative thing for so many people to hear as well. Well, and it's, and that's, you know, and that I want, if there's one thing like, and that she said eloquently, um, We're on our second glass. It's all good. The words are gone. Um, What I've learned, I've been blogging for 12 years, and I've been very raw in my blog for 12 years. And the thing that I've learned every time, which I think is the quintessential lesson for me, that I'm just going to have to keep learning again and again and again because I don't know. Belief is not intellectual. Belief is physical and emotional and all of these things combined. So I think I can know a thing in my brain and still not know it in my body and Mm, not know it in my soul. Um, So I think I'm just going to have to keep having this lesson reinforced. But (laughs) it's the thing that I am most afraid to put out there, the thing that I'm most afraid to tell the truth about. When I write that out, when I put it out there, that is the thing where I will then get the emails that will come in that will say, oh, God, I thought I was the only one who felt this way and I needed that. And it, it it is every time. And it is loud. And so if nothing else like that, if there is good to come of all of these things, the good is just in saying that they are what they are, you know? And mm. like, this is what it is. And this has been my journey. And I'm 35. Mm. This is my second divorce. That is the path that was needed for my life. And yep. I wouldn't change a goddamn moment of that journey because it has been so good. And I have fable and I have this version of me now that feels familiar and feels right and feels like the direction I need to be going. And I have fable 
And I have Noel who is, you know, like my best friend and an awesome partner and like a wonderful human and still the person that I tell good news to and the person that I'm so glad that I'm co-parenting with. And we have a beautiful community that we share and it's stories like yours that <laughs> emoji, emoji hands. hands. It's stories like yours that started to root in me this feeling that like it started to make me second guess that our staying together was the thing that was best for Fable. If I believed that, if I believed that our staying together was best for Fable, I would do it. If I believed that sitting on hot coals every moment of the rest of my life was best for Fable, I would do it in a heartbeat. I made her with my body. Like Mm -hmm. it hurt getting her out of there, you know, like there's nothing I wouldn't do for that kid. Um, But I want her to know who I am and her growing up with this projection of me that couldn't tell her the whole truth. And I kept thinking about what I would say to her if she came to me and said, mom, this is my life and this is where I'm at. What would I tell her to do? And without question, I would be like, pack your bags, baby. We're going, you know, to South America and we're going to, we're going to sit on the beach and we're going to figure out your life and it's going to be fine. There wouldn't be an ounce of judgment in that for a moment for me. I'd be like, honey, you have to live your life. And whatever that looks like for you. And I have to mother myself Mm. the way that I would mother my child, you know, like that, that's the only thing that I can do. That's the only instinct that I have. So yeah, that's something for the record that I'm always willing to step into with people. Um, I am always working on and processing through my own shame and my own baggage around that. Um, but I'm really open to that conversation. So I'm happy to put that out there a thousand times. Like, hey, not alone, everybody. And also, I think it's important to say, I have mad respect for the people who have chosen to stay in difficult relationships and to honor that commitment and have come out the other side of that. I think there's truth in that. And I think that there is real redemption really that I've seen happen in relationships and Mm -hmm. my choice to not go that way is not meant to undermine that. Like it's not meant to be an attack on that or to say that that is not valid and good. It just wasn't the choice that I made, Yeah. but it's a choice that I have a hell of a lot of respect for. Yeah. Um, so like there's not, there's not a lot of judgment, but for me, it wouldn't have been real. Like for me, that wouldn't have been, it just wouldn't have been me going totally. in the direction I needed to go. Totally. So it is, it is what it is, is the worst saying. <laughs> it's the worst saying in the world. And yet it's like my default when I run out of something to say. <laughs> I'm like, I'm out of thoughts. It is what it, it is. is. What I hate is. myself. Um, well, yeah. um, I'm, 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 I don't know how my trajectory of, um, excitement and anticipation and just gratefulness, <laughs> like gratitude. Like, what are you looking at? I know, I know. I just, I don't know how I can continue growing and, and getting more and more grateful for what this is and what it's going to be. But it, that every time we talk, every, yeah. uh, I'm just so grateful. Thank you, Karen. Me too. <laughs> Thank you for doing this because, so... and 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 just on behalf of mm. a gazillion people who are going to hear 
because I believe that, who are going to hear your story. Mm. The, uh, it's a story that needs to be told. It's the one that doesn't get told. Yeah. Um, and even, you know, I, I, I really appreciate you saying what you said about the folks who do choose to, whatever, stick it out and find the redemption because that absolutely does happen. Sure. But that's the story that gets championed totally. in, in, in churches, for Ap- sure. Well, that's um, the story that you're the, allowed to do, actually. Exactly. Yeah. And um, any marriage ministry in church, mm-hmm. that yeah, absolutely, that is, it's always led by a, a couple that did that. You right. Know? Um, why can't there be a marriage ministry for folks who don't, stay married. Right. Well, if we're going to do this, we may as well do it as well as we possibly can. Right. Like we've got this idea that if you're going to get divorced, then it's got to be a shit show. Yeah. And that seems unnecessary, you know, like why? Relentless optimist (laughs) you. That's what everybody's like. Everyone's like, well, how are you guys are just so reasonable. And I'm like, I think Noel and I both sat down and we're like, well, if this is what we're going to do, we may as well like try to do it. Mm as lovingly and like as well as like, why would we not try to do this? Well, it's a thing that we're doing. Like, why would we not do everything? If we know logically that these are the things that will be good for her, that will be good for us, that are good for humanity in general. Why would we not at least make a go at Uh trying to do it well? So I don't know. Can you write the um, counterpoint show to? Well, actually, I should I shouldn't judge it prematurely or unfairly because I haven't seen the whole thing. But you know that show, Divorce, with Sarah Jessica Parker, and yeah, Thomas Hayden Church on HBO. Yeah, I watched the first few episodes, and it you know, I actually probably suspect that they are going to get to a place where you're at. But mm-hmm. you know, the first few episodes are total. It's the shit show of divorce, and it's just like this cringy, awful experience that these two humans are going through. Yeah. So I would love to see the show that's the antithesis. Although, oh yeah, I you know. Dra- conflict makes for good drama, so uh, that's the show that gets right. Made, it's a course. real boring show. <laughs> the boring show is me and Noel like having a conversation <laughs> where like I say something and he's like, "I feel like that was pointed and really not designed to be productive, but instead just being hurtful." And I'm like, mm, "I see what you mean. <laughs> You're right. I was just trying to hurt you. I think the underlying thing for me is I'm afraid of this." Oh, interesting, Karen. Let's dive in. Roll credits. <laughs> it's like, everyone's like, oh my God, I can't. This is, this is real riveting stuff you guys are putting out here. That's what you get with so much counseling. Mm, that's um, great, though, because that's life. That's, you yeah. know. Yeah, it's what you got to do. Mm. And it's where we are. And that's the thing. Like, I'm just really tired. I'm really tired of trying to meet everybody's expectations. I just don't care anymore. No offense, everybody. Mm, but like, I'm here for it. I'm real tired. So we're lean, done with lean that. Lean into that we're eightness right there. It's going to be an eight. I'm going to grow up to be an eight <laughs> if it's the last thing I do. <sighs> it's going to be great. Um, but for the record, thank you. Because um, like this is this is good for me um and even just listening to what you're doing here has been good for me and I don't have words yet I always have words Mm. I don't have words yet for the depth of what it means to me having come from where I was on deconstruction and all of that and coming from that place of incredible fear to be here now and to get to be a voice in this um, and to get to 
come along with this vision that you have had that you've started here um I I don't know what to do with that and I think that it's I think that it's so important so every time you talk about being excited I'm just like shut up like you don't (laughs) you made this thing like of course it's great and like I somehow got to piggyback into it and like that's the luckiest like I got put in a pocket along the way and I'm like yes I don't know how I did it I'm so excited that I got picked up (laughs) static clinged along to this well you uh, you I, I I you reached out to me you know, you did that for yourself. That's true. When I, I did. when I put out that call on okay, Facebook, so maybe I just grabbed on. It was not static. Yeah, you so much. you emailed me. We had a conversation. We hit it off. The seed was planted, and here we are. I mean, yeah. this is I. This is just good. It's good for both of us. It's going to be good for the folks listening. I just know it. I believe that. I trust that. And now there will be the Halloween episode <laughs> coming this fall <laughs> in October. <laughs> going to be amazing we have to wrap it up because it's been now really now we're it's definitely honestly two hours. been two hours oh it's so good though and edit things well there you go heathens this is what's up now this hi, is heathens. this is your new show uh your new podcast and hi heathens it'll be less about us yeah moving forward yeah, we, we needed to do this first but um yeah, yeah it's gonna be some really good stuff coming up. stay tuned will weed still make karen cry <laughs> Will they backslide downhill? (laughs) (laughs) How just how slippery is that slope, folks? Will it only be tangents from here on out, or will there actually be any content to this podcast? Only time will tell. Thanks for listening to Heathen. We're here every week. And in the meantime, if you miss us, you can find us in the following ways. Follow at Heathen Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Send us an email at askheathen at gmail.com, especially if you have feedback or ideas for future episodes. Leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, and that helps other people find Heathen. And if you'd like to contribute to this community for people who need a soft place to land as they move away from bad religion, you can support Heathen on Patreon at patreon.com slash heathen podcast well thank you for your support with exclusive bonus content which you know is going to be freaking awesome wherever you find yourself in this space of godless spirituality spiritual godlessness or anywhere in between you're not alone we're glad you're here here's to the heathens thanks for listening whoa that was really <laughs> We should have done this so much earlier. I'm so loopy. Cleansing. Allergy medications. It's just fine. Delightful. Okay. Okay. We can do this. We're grown ass adults. We are. We're literally reading words.